Well, please turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 13, as Corey mentioned. The title of the message this morning is Spirit-Led Mission, and thank you for being here. It is a joy for me to preach. Spirit-Led Mission. Unlike previous weeks, it's a very short section of Scripture that we're preaching. Uh, In a few weeks, I think Corey has the the privilege of preaching about 50 uh, verses on uh, Peter's sermon. (laughs) And uh, I bet you're looking forward to that, Corey, aren't you? (laughs) It is a joy. But these are just four short verses, actually three and a half, because we're going from verse 1 to verse 4a. So Acts chapter 13, verse 1 to 4a. Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, a member of the court of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Verse 4. So, being sent out by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for your grace to preach this message. I pray for your spirit to fall upon us as we have gathered together. I pray it in Jesus' name, Father, because of your promise to bless your people, to build your church. Build Palm Vista through the preaching of your word this morning. Capture every heart. Silence every tongue. Silence every unquiet thought that would distract. In the name of Jesus... Build your people. In the name of Jesus, push back the evil one as you taught us to pray. Deliver us from evil and the evil one. Oh God, we need you. I need you. And I thank you that you are here. Your active presence is here. God, the Holy Spirit, you are here. And I thank you and I praise you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. In January of this year, I had the great joy and privilege of performing Kipper Bush's wedding in North Georgia. Who is Kipper Bush, you ask? Well, Kipper was a member of our church, I think for about eight or nine months, Kipper Bush is David Bush's brother. Makes sense, right? Kipper Bush, David Bush. And David Bush is my son-in-law. So, Kipper, he's like family. So, we packed up our family, many of us, and uh, we flew up there. Landed at the Atlanta airport in early January, jumped into a rental, and took off for Cornelia, Georgia. Oh yeah, I thought the same. Cornelia, Georgia is about two and a half hours north of Atlanta. Now, I will tell you this. I pastored in Atlanta for two years. I'm a big city boy from Miami. Atlanta is a big city, huge city, bigger city than Miami. Great city, diverse city. I loved Atlanta. I'm cool with Atlanta. I was having fun in Atlanta. But as soon as we left Atlanta and the lights literally went out, 
I got a little worried. As we're winding through these North Georgia, I would say mountainous roads. Now, they're probably just big hills, but to me, they were mountainous roads. We knew our destination. We had no idea how to get there. Fortunately, we had something on board that did. You guessed it. Good old GPS. Yeah, yay. We turned that bad boy on. And the GPS began to give us directions, literally telling us when to turn and in which direction. Now, unlike the GPS, the Holy Spirit initiates the destination in this text. The Holy Spirit initiates all that is going on here. You could think of it this way. God the Father programs the GPS We don't grab it and program it and tell it where we're going. No, no, God the Father programs it. God the Son came and fulfilled all of God the Father's will in dying for us, living the perfect life for us, raising from the dead for us, ascending into heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. And the Father and the Son send the Spirit with the program. The Spirit bears witness to Jesus. Even as Jesus said, I only speak what the Father speaks and do what the Father does. They're all three God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but three different roles in the Spirit now. He is the one, he's God's active presence with us and he speaks to us, much like a GPS. And he tells us when to turn and in which direction. The destination is already fixed. It's not like we grab the GPS and say, oh, where do I want to go? Okay, Holy Spirit, tell me how to get there. No, 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 no. We're not God. He's God. See, the destination is fixed. The church in Antioch knew where they were going. They just didn't know how to get there. Why do you say that, Al? Because they remembered the destination that Jesus had given them. Jesus had given them a command. They knew where they were going. They were going to the nations. Look at Luke 24, 45 to 48. Luke 24, 45 to 48. Here's the destination. Here are the coordinates in the GPS. God programmed it. Then he, Jesus, opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that, here it is, here's the destination, that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. There's the destination. Beginning from Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. That was the destination. That was their destination. And friends, that is our destination And you know what? I, I, think, I think my GPS right now is telling me to slow down and take a little turn. I, believer, I want to talk to you for a moment. When it says here that we are to proclaim repentance and forgiveness of sins in his name to all nations, that's not just one time. I believe my GPS is saying, slow down and appeal to the believer in the church right now that the Holy Spirit would be saying to you, repent and believe. 
for the forgiveness of your sins. What do I mean by that? Our lives as believers should be a daily life of repentance. It's a daily life of listening to the GPS, of reading God's word, of obtaining direction, of repenting for when we turn it off. Now, I know this illustration can break down. You can't turn off the Holy Spirit, but you can grieve him. You can ignore him. You can try to go your own way up to Cornelia, Georgia, and end up in North Carolina. Or even worse, driving around in these mountains in North Georgia. Everybody's looking at you like, hey, you ain't from around here. It's like, whoa. And God says to you this morning, repent and believe. He's saying that to you right now. You're going to hear stuff today that's going to hit you. And you're going to go, oh, Lord, right now I just want to repent of that wrong attitude. Oh, Lord, that's right. You just reminded me of where you want to change me. Repentance just means I'm going this way. And it just means changing, turning direction, going this way. That's a daily lifestyle, believer. Holy Spirit's talking to you, believer. He's talking to me. And... And let me, let me just, GPS is telling me to stay here just a moment to the unbeliever. I don't know who you are. With all respect, I thank you for being here. Um, but you are in a place where you're going to hear God say to you, repent and believe. I mean, out there, you may not hear it. Last night, I was counseling and, and, and meeting with people all day long from, from the morning and, 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 and then, and then in, the, in the evening. And then it was just a great time. And, and there were some situations, we were just celebrating with folks, and there was loud music, and we were having a great time, and, and it would have been really hard to hear repent and believe right there. So thank you for coming in here, because oftentimes the world drowns out that repent and believe with a lot of stuff. But, but you're here, and I believe that God, the Holy Spirit, is saying to you, repent and believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Just like believer, we need to believe that when God convicts us of a sin, we turn and we are forgiven. Believe it. Oh, unbeliever, you need that initial understanding. The the Spirit is is saying to you, can you put the Scripture back up, please? The the Spirit is saying to you, and Luke, he's saying, repentance and and forgiveness of sins proclaimed in Jesus' name. Hear it. Hear it, friend. I pray that God would give you ears to hear this message and faith to believe it and a heart of repentance to know that you are responsible to God for your sins. When Jesus came, he came preaching repentance for the kingdom of God has come. That's what he came preaching. He just, he would repent. Why? Because he's the king. And he's saying the same thing today. There's, you can't serve two kingdoms. You can only serve one king. And God the Holy Spirit is here this morning right now speaking to us through this text. Please respond to him as he gives you the ability to do so. Repent and believe in Jesus as the king, as the Lord, for the forgiveness of your sins, dear friends. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us this morning. He's telling us, 
when to turn and the direction to go in. That, that's, that's what he was doing here in this text. Let me show you the map. The Holy Spirit initiated a crucial moment in the life of the church. Literally, I love maps, they were driving around the Middle East. The Middle East would be where it says Palestine, Damascus, Syria. Antioch was the capital of Syria. Jerusalem would be the capital of Judea, the Jewish people. And for 10 plus years, they'd been driving around in their little Volkswagen bug, or their, 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 their beetle uh, wagon, the old beetle wagons. They were driving around, and they were preaching the gospel. Middle East. And today, the Holy Spirit is going to tell them to make a turn. The GPS is going to speak to them. And if you've ever driven with the GPS, particularly if you've been in a place that you're not familiar with, and it tells you to turn, please turn. Because if you miss it, that's going to be rough. So the Spirit is saying to the church, it's time to turn. The Holy Spirit initiates a movement in the life of the church, and it's a major milestone in the history of redemption, and it introduces us to the transition in the second half of the book of Acts. So now the gospel is going to go from Antioch, Next week, next week we'll preach this, over to Cyprus, and then over to Asia, right here. This is Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. And eventually, in the other missionary journeys, it'll go to Europe, which back then was the ends of the earth. And the book of Acts now transitions at the end of chapter 12. It kind of ends the first part of the book where Peter was the main character. The church in Jerusalem was the main church. And the group of disciples were mainly Jewish believers. Now, beginning with chapter 13 on to the end of the book, Saul, which is his Hebrew name, Paul, his Greek name, we know him as Paul, is going to be the main character, and the church in Antioch is going to be the main church, because this, this church in Antioch, in the third largest city in the Roman Empire at that time, third only to Rome, Alexandria, and Antioch, a bustling, thriving metropolis, maybe 500,000 inhabitants at that time, a financial center, a cosmopolitan city. The church is now has a, a lot of Gentiles, maybe even a majority of Gentiles. From that church, the gospel is going to go to the ends of the earth. Huge transition in the book. Huge transition in the book. And the Holy Spirit is one who provides this initiative. The Holy Spirit provides this direction. They knew they were were supposed to go there. They didn't know how they needed direction. Do you need direction this morning? See, God, the Holy Spirit, is leading the church to accomplish its mission, the mission he entrusted to it by giving this church direction, leadership. Do you sit there this morning in need of direction and leadership to get to the destination God has given you? You know the destination. If you're a Christian and you've been here listening to the sermons and you read this Bible, you know the destination. You just don't know how to get there. You've heard the preaching of the word. You know that we're supposed to reach the nations with the gospel. We're supposed to disciple our families. We're supposed to live for God. That's our destination. This is the mission God has given us. It's not terribly complicated. It's in page after page of the book of Acts. But how do we get there? Sometimes 
we, we can feel like we're just crammed into that little Volkswagen bug. You know, it's just a bunch of heads. You know, those little station wagons. And we're all just sitting in there. And we're just driving around. <laughs> and it's like, hey, we've been here before. <laughs> I need direction, Lord. How do we get there? I feel a little bit like we're going in circles, maybe even a little bit lost. A little listless, wandering, meandering. Uh, I mean, we've just passed through the first part of the year when so many of us review goals, direction, and purposes for our lives. And then we make resolutions on how to get there. And oftentimes this stuff, we just know the destination. We, just, we never got there last year. And we try to get there this year. And at the end of this year, we may not get there this year. You know, we resolve to lose weight. We resolve to spend more time reading the Bible and praying. We resolve to teaching our children the Bible and discipling our wives. We resolve to give more to the church. Now, this year, I'm going to budget better. I'm going to be more faithful. I'm not going to forget to give my tithe check for five months and find it in the drawer somewhere. I'm resolving. I'm I'm going to serve the church with joy. I resolve... Oh, Lord, I resolve to stop getting angry so often in traffic. That's a real one for me. (laughs) I resolve to reconcile that broken relationship. I know the destination. I got it right here. I resolve to share the gospel with my family and friends. We know what the Bible says. Our conscience speaks to us about what is right to do, but we need direction to know how to get there. We need that as a church as well. We know that God has called us to proclaim repentance and forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name to the nations. But we need some direction on how to get there. God, God, the Holy Spirit is here to provide that direction. Far greater than the GPS we had in the car as we were driving at night. Far greater than that. But if you can think of the comfort that GPS was for us. When we heard that voice, turn right here. (laughs) You just missed your turn. (laughs) However little comfort that was in the North Georgia mountains trying to get to Cornelia, Georgia. Oh, a million times more. The Spirit is with us, friends. Jesus does not leave us alone. No. He leads us and gives us direction for our personal lives at home and for our church life here corporately to get to where he wants us, the destination, the mission. Here's how I'm going to say it. Here's the main point of the message. God, the Holy Spirit, leads us in mission. God, the Holy Spirit, leads us in mission. And he is powerful and he is mighty and he never fails. And the Father programmed it and the Son did it and the Spirit applies it. My, I need it this morning. I don't know about you. Where are you going? Are you just kind of meandering around? God, the Spirit, will speak to you and to me together. Here's the question. Are we leaning in to listen Or have we turned the volume down on the GPS so we can't even hear it anymore? Do we think we know more than the GPS? Sad to say, I did that once on the trip. (laughs) How's that for arrogance? I am not from North Georgia. (laughs) 
And I'm saying, oh, no, I think the GPS is wrong. It did. It's just not been updated. I think we should turn here. I think the Starbucks is right over there. 25 minutes later. And it's one thing if I'm trying to get to somewhere in Cornelia, Georgia. It's another thing with my life and the life of my children, the life of the church, and the glory of God that God wants us to display. So listen to my GPS. (laughs) I know where the Starbucks is, Al. You don't. I was just stunned they had a Starbucks in Cornelia, Georgia. (laughs) They had lots of Chick-fil-A's. I did notice that. Are you leaning in, listening? When it says turn right, do you turn right? Or do you say, eh, whatever? See, he defines the mission, he chooses the destination, and he leads us there. And he won't abandon us. Listen to what it says in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus speaking to his disciples right before he's going to be zoop right from their presence. I mean, they're going to watch him go zzzz, and they're going to go, ah. and the angel's going, hey, what are you staring in heaven with your mouth open for? I don't, with your mouth open, that may not have been in the text, but why are you staying in, staring in heaven? Because he, he just disappeared. Listen to what he says right before he left them. Listen. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, to Cornelia, Georgia, and make disciples of all nations, there's your destination, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You're going to have that GPS. You're going to go into uncharted territory. You're going to go to places that are unfamiliar, even somewhat scary at times. But I will be with you. How are you going to be with me, Jesus? You just left. I will be with you. Zoop, he's gone. Doesn't that strike you as kind of almost funny? (laughs) I will be with you. Zoom. Because they remembered what he said in John 14. John 14 is what he said. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Spirit is with us. He's speaking to us. Wayne Grudem says this of the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the active presence of God in the world. And especially in the church. So the work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest God's active presence, His active presence with us. It's in the world and especially in the church. As Corey taught us a few months ago, the Spirit mediates the very presence of Christ to us. Reclaim Singles Ministry are going through a series this year, Not Alone. It's a series on the Spirit. We are not alone. The Spirit Spirit mediates the very presence of Christ to us. God's burden to us, for us this morning. If you could hear God's voice through the Scriptures, 
And my voice, if you could see his finger pointing hugely behind my head at you, each one of you, he is saying this, believe me, believe me, believe that I am with you by my Holy Spirit. My active presence is here. The Spirit mediates the very presence of Christ to you. God, the Holy Spirit, is here with us to lead us in the mission he entrusted to us. We're not alone in it question is, are we listening to the GPS? He's going to lead us just like he led the church in Antioch in their mission. So let's look. How did he do it? Point one. God, the Holy Spirit led them in mission, the church and Antioch. Point number one. God, the Holy Spirit leads us in mission. He led them in mission. Look what it says here in Acts 13, 1. Now, there were in the church at Antioch. What's that word church there? You probably already know. Famous word, ecclesia, ecclesia. All that means is the people that God called out. If you remember during communion, I read a lot of scriptures about God calling people out. He delivers his people from the world. He calls them out to be his own possession, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, which means a called out people, for his purpose to declare the excellencies of his salvation. So that's what's happening here. The church in Antioch is the ecclesia, a people set apart for God, a holy people set apart for God's purposes. Church, we're that people today. We're that people today. So let's look at the church yesterday, first century, to learn from them so that we can be that people today. What kind of church were they? Well, look at this. They're a church led by a gifted and diverse Team. I want you to look here. Verse 1. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. Prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, a member of the court of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. These were men who were gifted to care for the church. As it says in verse 1, they were prophets and they were teachers. I think they were gifted in both. The objective teaching of the word and the subjective prophetic discernment given by the Spirit. You see, why do I say that? Because this is what I believe. That in Acts, we're told that the last days have arrived. Acts chapter 2. When Peter is explaining what happened on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church, he describes something new, what I think is the inauguration of the kingdom of God, the messianic kingdom, what Israel had been hoping for for several thousand years, boom, it's here. And it's marked by what? The Spirit. The giving of the Spirit. Okay, so read with me here, Acts 2, 16. But this, Peter preaching now on the day of Pentecost, when everybody thinks that they're drunk, Peter says that they're not drunk, and then he Begins with verse 16. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the, now he's quoting from Joel too. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. 
And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the giving of the Spirit. These are the last days. This is describing Jesus the King coming to inaugurate the kingdom. We're living in the last days. We're living in the time of the Spirit. See, this is what the church in Antioch experienced, and it's what we experience. Teachers and prophets, the work of the Holy Spirit. What did that look like in the church then? And what does that look like in the church today? Well, first, I can tell you that as a pastor and a man who seeks the Lord, there are many times when I spend the week, maybe upward, close to 20 hours a week, 15 hours a week, studying this word, reading the original languages, reading commentaries like Schnabel and Peterson and Stott, talking with Corey and Bentley, intellectually going into the objective truth of the scripture that I'm going to preach expositionally. If you're new to this church, we do expository preaching. We just take a book of the Bible and we preach through that book. We may at times do topics, but even when we do topics, we do them sort of expositionally. So if we're going to talk, let's say, on uh, marriage, we're going to take passages out of Ephesians 5 and, and discuss what that passage says. We're not just going to give you our ideas because our ideas are informed by Scripture. They're dominated by Scripture. This is what we do. It's objective truth. But then I will tell you this, that when I'm done, and for me it often occurs when I, I write my manuscript and I type it out in almost double space, 16 point, and then I preach it. If you were to come by my house, or this morning I was running late, I was preaching at one of the children's ministries rooms. Gary Beecham came in and said, whoa, I'm sorry. I said, no, no, I'm just practicing the sermon. Just stay here. And when I'm doing it, I'm listening in the spirit. It, I feel there is a subjective sense of God speaking to me through this word, helping me to emphasize some things, take some things out. This is God's active presence. God, the Holy Spirit with us. His leading in the Word. What does it look like? I I think it looked like that in Antioch. In a moment, we're going to talk about the Spirit speaking to them. How did the Spirit speak to them? When it says the Spirit said, there are some that feel that one of these five guys gave a prophetic word. There are others that feel that no, people got a sense of what God was doing. Either way, it's it's a subjective leading of the Spirit that we never want to lose. It's both and. See, there are times in our corporate worship service, or most commonly in our community groups, when someone senses a particular scripture or direction or word and comes up to share that with the pastor or the leader. It happened this morning. He, the pastor and leader, then prays and seeks the Lord to see if this is in fact biblical and something God has for the group, according to 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. I I did feel like that word was for the church. I felt it was for me, primarily. And And I'm incorporating it in the message. But there is a subjective sense, even of a confirming sense of where we're going. Now, it's messy. 
It can be a little scary. We can get it wrong sometimes. This is objective truth. We preach this powerfully, without apology. These prophetic senses, we come humbly and say, maybe the Lord is. Perhaps I'm sensing this. It's not equal to Scripture. But God moves in that way, friends. He did then and He does now. God may quicken a word to you for someone in the group, if you're in community group. Sometimes things that you would never have known on your own, but, but you check it out with Scripture, you share it humbly, and oftentimes it can really encourage that person. I mean, they're worrying about X, and you don't even know about X, and the Lord gives you just a Scripture, and you, you sort of speak to X without even knowing about it, and they're like, oh, that was so encouraging. The Bible says that, that, that prophecy encourages, consoles, and comforts. It happened to me in community group last Wednesday. Someone read a Scripture from Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, and they said the word unity jumped out to me in that. And that was, that was the very thing I was worrying about. God helped me. He built the church there. Or it might look like you hearing a message from the Word, maybe this message this morning, and the Holy Spirit coming and convicting you about something particular, a direction, a decision you may have to make in, in your life, a conviction to walk faithfully to the Lord in an area of temptation, or even an initiative to visit someone that you wouldn't have normally thought about, but the Lord just quickens that to you. The Spirit of God speaks to you in a sense subjectively. See, what this passage shows us is that in the church, there is the objective ministry of the teacher and the subjective ministry of the prophetic, and we need them both. The Word and the Spirit. They're not in opposition to one another, but both are necessary to build the church. Indeed, the very same Spirit that gives the subjective ministry of the prophetic is the same Spirit who inspired the objective Word of God. They go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. The church in Antioch. They were a diverse leadership team as well. Listen to the description of this leadership team from Peterson. Barnabas was from Cyprus. If you put the map back up, they're going to go to Cyprus next week. All right, they're taking a cruise to Cyprus map. Boom, there it is. So they're going to go to Cyprus. Barnabas was from Cyprus. Simon called Niger may have been from Africa. Niger is a Latinism meaning black. Lucius of Cyrene certainly came from North Africa on the North African coast, which you can't see in that map. And Manaean is described as having been Part of Herod's court, okay, verse uh, 1, Lucia, my name, the member of the court of Herod. Another translation says a, 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 a longtime friend of Herod, what some people think is Manaean, was a well-educated, probably well-connected man. Back then, if you were well-educated, you were educated in Greek, through the Greek structure, and Herod would have been educated in that same structure. They were friends from a long time, from childhood, and Menaean may have actually been like a political kind of connected guy. And then you have Saul, who's a Pharisee from Tarsus. What a diverse group of leaders. What a diverse group racially. What a diverse group socioeconomically. But this is the church. It's beautiful. And look, the the church in Antioch is a church that worshipped the Lord. A church that worshipped the Lord. Look at verse 2. And while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. 
while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, now, I want to talk to you about the fact that they were a church that worships the Lord, but you want to talk to me about what is this and the Holy Spirit said stuff. I mean, it's one thing, Al, if you kind of sense, you know, you kind of get the quiver in your liver, you know, that, uh, that you know, you're supposed to pray for people that, you know, are depressed today. I mean, there's a pretty good chance that there's a lot of people depressed in this room today, okay? I mean, it doesn't take like a whole lot of prophetic sense. You just kind of roll the dice, boom, press, pr- depressed people come forward, I'm going to pray for you. But when you say the Holy Spirit said, now you have my attention. What's that all about? How did the Holy Spirit say? What was the context where the Holy Spirit said? I mean, this is, the, this is the classic crucial moment in your journey to Cornelia, Georgia, when you are lost or you think you're lost and it is dark and you long ago passed the Starbucks. In fact, the Starbucks is now cold, okay? And you're just winding through. There is no place. There is no city. There is nothing. There's a few cows, a couple of horses, and then a couple of houses way in the back that you don't even want to think about what's going on in there. So you're just driving as fast as you can. And you really would like to hear the GPSA. Turn right now. You're hoping it doesn't say out of batteries or, you know, you are really lost. Ha, 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 ha. You're hoping you don't hear that one, you know. So you, you, but this is the moment. You're leaning forward in your car. You're leaning forward. You're both looking at each other. You're tired. You want to get there. Okay, say something. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit said. Before we get to that, Let's look at the context that the Holy Spirit chose to say. You see, it's a worshiping church. And this is a point I hope you get. This is a point I hope I get. This is a point I believe the Spirit of the Lord wants to drive into us. The Holy Spirit chose a normal worship meeting to speak. Some may think that it was only the five praying and seeking the Lord. Many others, and I agree with them, say no, this is a normal worship meeting time with the church we know from acts 2 42 to 47 that when they got together they would praise the lord they would break bread they would get the apostles teaching they would be taught and the lord would move in their midst see the context of the lord saying is the church coming together to worship the lord it's in this context that he speaks friends see we we gather together to worship the lord Why do you come? Why do you come on Sunday mornings? Why do you attend community groups during the week or perhaps don't attend? Why attend Catalyst youth parent meetings? Why why do you go to Reclaim singles meetings? Is it to be stimulated in your thoughts and have great conversation from really intelligent people that know what they're talking about? Good luck on that one for some of these meetings. Um, is it to have your emotions stirred? Is it to meet with your friends and just have a lot of fun? It's, it's all about that you know, meal we're going to have after the meeting and the fun we're going to have. Is it to be entertained with great music and good speaking? See, the church at Antioch gathered for one primary reason. That was to worship the Lord. Is that enough for us? I mean, isn't the primary reason that we gather God? It's not wrong, nor does it not, nor is it not the case that oftentimes when we come to worship the Lord, primarily Him and Him alone, that He gives us these other things. Listen, it's, it, you want to get good teaching. 
It's not wrong to want a sermon that, it is, that isn't meandering and pathetic. <laughs> it's not wrong to want a sermon that's compelling and makes sense to you. It's not wrong to want to sing songs that are sung by a band that's tight with good vocalists. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not the primary reason. The primary reason is what are the words we're singing and to whom are we singing? Are they true? Do I come for you, Lord? I'm here this morning for you, Lord. I'm here to worship you, Lord. And sometimes I'm going to hear things that drive me crazy. I'm going to see things that drive me crazy. Like the coffee that got spilled right here on the front. I mean, it's just very human. And we're going to do things that irritate the fire out of each other. And the music may not be tight, and the band may not be tight, and the vocals may not be great, and I may not be preaching a very good sermon right now, but if I'm coming to worship God, everything else is frosting. The cake is God. And if I come to worship Him, He will speak. We're trying to hear Him through watching some television preacher, or reading some book, or, or just like going to a mountain by myself and fasting and praying. And I'm not saying those things are wrong. Maybe the television preacher thing. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying that God is saying, come together. Oh, I don't want to come together. Come with those people on community group night. Not those. When they speak, they speak so long and it makes no sense. And I'm tired and I'm dying. And it's like, please... And it's like God, God is just saying, if you will come together and worship me, I'll move in, their, in your midst. And sometimes I feel, and recently I felt, and I could be wrong in this, because we don't go by feelings, but we're all in our VW microbus, you know, and we're just driving around Miami right now, Palm Vista Community Church, and we're somewhat happy in the bus. <laughs> you know, no one's killing each other in the bus. But we're just like, hey, didn't we just pass that place a couple of days ago? <laughs> just driving around, you know. Let's stop at Chick-fil-A. That's the same Chick-fil-A we stopped at a year and a half ago. And it's like, it's like I say, Lord, I know where you want us to go. Just, I need some directions here. Who took the GPS? Who's hiding it? Who stole the batteries to play their little PlayStation? Now I know this illustration breaks down. The Holy Spirit isn't a GPS. You understand what I'm saying. They sought the Lord together. And they made it a priority. Do we? Do we? Oh, friends, without faith it is impossible to please God. Hebrews eleven six. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Maybe the reason we don't get together and make it a priority in our lives is because we don't really believe it. Sometimes I wrestle with it. When it's 10 o'clock and I'm standing there, I was wrestling with it this morning, and I'm just thinking, oh, Lord. It's, you know, we're just so human. I'm so human. Where are you? And we gather, and with all of our deficiencies and all of our idiosyncrasies and all of our laughable things that we do, God meets with us. Because you know what? I feel him, and he's meeting with us. And I know him because I'm hearing him. And it doesn't make sense. But God chose it this way. Do we believe it? Do we believe it? Oh, I believe 
God is, is saying, believe it. I'm with you. I'm with you. Point two, the Holy Spirit leads the church in mission. God, the Holy Spirit, leads us in mission. While they were worshiping, the Holy Spirit said. We've already talked about how did he say? Was it a prophetic word that one of the leaders stood up and said, Paul and Barnabas are to be going now? Boom. Was it just a corporate sense? I don't know. Sorry. I don't know. So why does Luke write this? Why does he write such a provocative sentence? The Holy Spirit said. Well, here's what I think. Okay? When the scripture isn't clear, we've got to figure out why it's there. And here's what I think the scripture is saying to us. Clearly, Luke wrote this so that the emphasis would be on the fact that it is God the Holy Spirit leading the church in mission. It is God the Holy Spirit initiating this missional thrust. It is God the Holy Spirit who is initiating this new expansion of the gospel. Eckhart Schnabel, in his commentary, just love saying his name, in his commentary says this, the fact that Luke relates the words of the Holy Spirit in direct speech underscores Luke's emphasis that the initiative for the missionary work comes from God's spirits. And the initiative was to set aside Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Look again at verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Well, what work is that, friends? It's the work that was programmed in the GPS from the foundations of the world by God himself. See, Barnabas, we know from from Acts 11.22, when the church in Jerusalem heard about the uh, revival in Antioch, what did they do? They sent Barnabas to go shepherd and build and care for this church of primarily Gentile believers. So Barnabas obviously has a call in his life to do that. That was maybe three years earlier. We're now three years after that. And we know that Barnabas has had a successful ministry. And what do we know from from Acts 9.15? I believe you're going to see that on the screen. Acts 9.15. We know that Paul had a call from God as well when he was knocked off the donkey and the Lord converted him in the desert, he said, but the Lord said to him, go, for he, Paul, is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. So listen, I want you to see something. The prophetic word that came forth in this meeting, whether it was a sense from everybody or whether it was from one of the leaders, it was not out of left field. It was not some wild-eyed call to sell everything and go be a missionary in Mongolia. No, it was a call to release two men who had already proven themselves over years for fruitful ministry in Antioch. It was a call to release Paul and Barnabas to probably the vision and the internal call that they had already shared with the leadership team. It's now three or four years into it. Certainly Paul has shared the vision of what happened to him in the desert 11 or 12 or 13 years earlier. So they knew that that was on them, and now the Spirit's confirming that call. The church is responding then to the Spirit's call, and look at verse 3. They lay hands on these guys. They lay hands on them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So they fast and pray some more. They started with worshiping God, fasting and praying. They get the word, then they fast and pray some more, then they lay hands on them and they send them out. Look at 13b. 
13b. And so they, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Now, look at uh, 13, uh, 3b, I meant. Look at 4a. So being sent by the Holy Spirit. So in 13.3b, it says they laid hands on them and they sent them out. In chapter 13.4a, it says they were sent out by the Holy Spirit. Which one? Which one? Is Scripture wrong here? Who sent them out? Well, John Stott is helpful here in his quote. The Spirit sent them out by instructing the church to do so, and the church sent them out having been directed by the Spirit to do so. Could it be both and? Could it be that this new bold ministry initiative was undertaken as the Spirit led the church, as the GPS said, turn right now? And then the church followed and they actually turned right. And they released two major leaders from a local church to go into the nations, to go and preach the gospel. It was time. The program was being executed. The Lord was making it happen because the church was worshiping the Lord. And they were listening. They were leaning in to listen to the GPS. Are you listening? Are you listening? So what does this look like at Palm Vista? There are so many applications, but I just want to talk about one. There are so many applications right now for the ministry that you're involved in, for our community groups, for evangelism, for outreach. There's just so many things. But I want to, I want to focus in on one. Called men and determining their calling and their sending. Now, we're growing in this. I can tell you that it looked a little different back with Jason Stubblefield and Jose Prado several years ago than it's going to look now with Bentley Crawford. With Jason and Jose, the initiative was with the Spirit, and you as the church participated in the process, but not as robustly as I think we see here in Antioch. We now have the opportunity to do it again with Bentley. Here is a man who has expressed a subjective call from God, much like Paul and Barnabas would have shared with them their subjective calls from God. Here's also a man, much like Paul and Barnabas, that we've seen minister in our midst for the last year or two. When we've come together to worship the Lord on Sundays, he's preached the word. He's leading a community group. He's discipling folks in the Lord. He's serving in administration. We're seeing that. And so what church we need to do now as a church is we need to seek God together for His will about the next ministry initiative with Bentley. Church, you will be a part of hearing from God, the Holy Spirit, on this. It is the responsibility of every local church, especially its leaders, to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in order to discover whom he may be gifting and calling. Church, when we come together, we can get a sense of what God is doing with Bentley and his calling. It's not so much a formal vote. We're not going to do that, whether Bentley is called or not. Nor is it filling out a bunch of technical forms of evaluation. No, that would be a pressure that I don't believe God is putting on you at all. We'll, We'll be looking at those as pastors It's not a technical thing. It's a God thing. And we can sense what the Lord is doing together. And we can sense what he's saying together as we gather together in Sunday morning meetings to worship the Lord and hear Bentley preach. As we gather together to minister, uh, to worship the Lord in our community groups. And we invite the Crawfords maybe to come to your community group. And you're there. And they're able to share their story. You're able to ask them questions. And together we'll gain a faith 
filled Godward perspective so that in a few months we can say, Spirit is speaking here. We think this man is a called man. See, ultimately, friends, it's the Lord who appoints leaders in the church, but he does it through the church. Primarily it's leaders, but involving a robust participation and affirmation by the congregation. This avoids both extremes. Individualism, which I call a quiver in your liver. You know, I I sense that I've got a call. I'm the next apostle to South America. Okay? Maybe, maybe not. (laughs) Uh, First, it'd be interesting if someone was actually following you out. Mm, That's right. And institutionalism, where there's no reference to the Holy Spirit in making ministry decisions. It avoids both extremes. So a man can feel led by the Spirit, but the church is going to confirm that calling through data, through objective data, but also by a sense of what the Spirit is doing. We are spiritual people. Pneumatikas. We're people of the Spirit. This is the last days. The kingdom has come. We can hear from God. Not perfectly. Isn't that exciting? That's the Spirit leading us. That's objective truth functioning in us. Oh, God the Father put the destination in the GPS. Are we listening? Are we listening? The Holy Spirit leads us in mission, church, as we worship the Lord and minister to Him in expectant faith that He will speak to us. We want to follow the Spirit's leading, both individually and corporately. And to do that, we must prioritize meeting together to worship the Lord. This is the appeal. In order to make it a priority, we must believe that the Holy Spirit is with us every time we meet. Do you believe that? Do you come to Sunday worship and community group during the week expectant on what God will do and say? I know what helps me come believing and expectant is remembering what Jesus has done for us on the cross. We did that in communion. Spending regular time with him in the Bible each day. God reminds me of how much he loves me and what he's done for me in Jesus. And this draws my heart upward in faith so that I want to meet with you. I want to hear from the Lord. I believe he's with us. His active presence. The Holy Spirit mediates Christ himself to us. So I gather together. And God speaks to us. That's why we want you to come March the 10th. It's not just a business meeting. It's a time, yeah, to do business with God. To worship God. And experience God. God the Holy Spirit initiates and he invites us to participate by worshiping and ministering to him. Let's bow our heads in prayer. I'll conclude us. Lord God, I thank you that you have given us the Spirit though we do not deserve it, that you've called us your friends, though we were your enemies, and you did that through Jesus Christ. His life, death, resurrection, and ascension. The exalted Lord Jesus is speaking through the Spirit to us. Oh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, how we need you. Please, have mercy on us. Lead us to this destination to which you've called us as a church. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make a face to shine upon you and to give you peace. Amen and amen. Thank you for coming this morning, church.